It's a podcast. The podcast. Hosted by Lee Michael and Robbie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a podcast. The podcast. I'm Robbie. I'm Lee. And uh, I don't have any specific sponsors this week, but did uh, just want to, you know, help share some uh, information from the CDC, you know, make sure all this stuff is spreading around properly. So, you know, for people who don't know, uh, the CDC has recently announced that it is now safe to kiss your homies on the lips when you tuck them into bed at night. So (laughs) do the CDC for that. If you didn't know, now, you know. Shout out to the CDC. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. I've been been wondering about that. I've been tucking yes. in the homies and and I've been too scared to kiss them lately. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in a world the 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 world of disinformation that we live in now, I figured the least that we could do is to help uh, spread the news, Indeed. make sure that these hard hitting facts are Indeed. out there. <laughs> what you got there, bro? A little live wire? <laughs> no, just orange soda. Oh, okay. They had a Mountain Dew live wire. It's like, geez, bro, you've been playing. No, some do they Halo still make too? that? I don't know. They should. They should, yeah. It was delicious. They fucking should. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, hello. It's a podcast. A podcast. Um, another week. <laughs> another week. Just <laughs> fucking. It's another week, Robbie. I don't... <laughs> yes, it is. You feel? Are you feeling better? You sound better. Yeah, I'm basically better. I'm fine. <laughs> Sweet. I don't know. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm better. <laughs> I, I feel like felt... that was a. Uh... A very that was like a yes or no question basically it yeah <laughs> it no it's it's weird it's like i would say i would say i'm better but i i still uh i don't feel 100 percent. Ah, i see I but i you. also can't really explain uh what it is that i what it is that i i don't feel 100 percent about you know i just like no, no i got I you when, especially when you get really sick sometimes there's like the three or four days whatever of like lingering whatever yeah. shit yeah I'm pretty sure I have a cold, so that's nice. been transferred over to me. It's pretty cool. Through the microphones. Yes. The, over the airwaves. <laughs> through cyberspace. <laughs> share the cyber lot. flu. You could share a lot through cyber. Okay. <laughs> Including the flu. Okay, now I want to tell you this. Now many people are talking about it, okay? Yeah, Robbie, the CDC has recommended we go back to wearing masks indoors. So I think next week for the, uh, you know, health of each other, we should mask up since we're indoors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, dude. I've had to go back to wearing a mask full time at work. And uh, we never stopped. Nice. Well, I I would. I'm, you know, I'm not an anti-masker by any means, but there's something about there's something about going back to wearing it. And I'm just like, fuck dude. I mean, who cares anymore? <laughs> Why bother? You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it clearly has not to get it. We're yeah, all we're, fucked. Yeah. Well, it hasn't helped because only like 60% of the population does it. Exactly. That's my point. Like why even fucking bother anymore, dude? Something is better than nothing. I suppose. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm vax baby. I don't care. You know, let them spread you got, it. You got boosted yet? No, I haven't been boosted, bro. Remember, I've been sick as fuck for the past week. I didn't want to get... Oh, right. I don't think you should get a booster shot while you're sick. Probably not. Um, Yeah. In fact, the CDC recently said that you should probably just take that booster and shove it right up your fucking ass. Yes, directly into your rectum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The CDC hey. recommends you butt chug the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> what if the CDC came out and they were like, you know that... uh that thing about drinking bleach wasn't as bad as we initially thought it was. Maybe we should give that a try. Well, they're letting the CEO of Delta dictate COVID policy now. So the insurance or the airline? <laughs> Cause that's, that's a big difference there. <laughs> One of those I'm okay with. Not really. Fun it, times that we're Is it the in. insurance or the airline? Oh, it's the airline. Have you not seen like the? <laughs> oh God, no, I have. Have you not? Have you not seen this? It's I'm out of the loop. There, there, the yeah, the CEO of of Delta was, uh, I think, a contributing factor to pushing for the five day quarantine. Oh, okay. Because okay. they want because they don't want people to be off work as long. That's right. That's right. Yeah. True. It's valid. 
Yeah, <laughs> gotta sure. get people back to work. I mean, what are they gonna yeah. do? Not work? Well, no, nobody. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to work. So, Robbie, you're you're a a, a big pilot now. What uh, what airline are you hoping to work for? Uh, whoever will Spirit? hire me. Spirit. Yeah, Mal- sure. Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> Korean Air. Korean Air. That's a good one. Nippon. Yeah. <laughs> what if? <laughs> What if Groupon started their own uh, <laughs> their Groupon own Air? Yeah, Groupon Air. That'd be awesome. I think Hooters should try again. Mm, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe you could get a job with Virgin. That'd be cool. That would be cool. That'd be sick, dude. Fly Virgin. You could stay in Virgin Hotels. You get a Virgin mobile phone. Yeah. You could stay a Virgin. Like, so, yeah, it's perfect. It's my ideal life. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to accept Jesus so that I can become a virgin again? Yeah, you do. You do. In fact, mm, I, th- okay. I think that if you work for I think if you work for virgin long enough, you just become an incel. You're <laughs> and if you're a woman, your hymen regrows. <laughs> oh God, you grow you grow a second hymen. <laughs> an auxiliary hymen, if you will. Oh God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just just one in the reserve tank, you know. <laughs> a reserve I'm in <laughs> for if you let Jesus back into your life again. Yeah. Yeah, they took those chemicals that they put in the water to make the frogs gay and they just kind of rejiggered them a little bit, then aerosolized them and pump them into the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, you know, over a long enough uh, exposure. Speaking of gay frogs, I don't mm-hmm. know if you I don't know if you heard this or not. Uh, well, I know you heard this bit of info, which we didn't even touch upon uh, last week. Uh I almost said Joe Rogan. Um, Alex Jones's wife. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, Alex Jones's wife was arrested on domestic assault charges on Christmas Eve. And uh, is this a new wife, or is this the one that was trying to divorce him a couple years ago? I don't know. Who's to say? I don't know. Because there was the whole thing where they were getting a divorce, and she was trying to get custody of their kids, and he was like, and she was using like clips of his show as proof that he's fucking insane. Yeah. And his whole uh, defense was that it was all just an act, and it was a character. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if it's the same woman. I'm not sure. Uh, who's to say? But um, I'm sure Google could tell you that pretty quickly. But anyways, so she uh, when the when the reports first came out, obviously Alex Jones wanted privacy because it's an important family issue, and the press should respect that. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Jones, of course, uh, recently lost a lawsuit for uh, making. Uh, defamatory remarks towards parents of uh sandy yes. hook shooting victims and, yes calling them crisis actors and saying that it never actually happened uh and harassing them as well yes yes so alex jones deserves nothing and normally no. i i would not uh condone or joke about uh domestic abuse because it's not it's not something that should be made uh light of but it's, it's alex jones um so Initially, when I first saw the article, uh, it made it sound like his wife got in a fight with a family member. But um, actually, uh, she beat up Alex Jones. <laughs> and there is a report from the Daily Beast that said Alex Jones feared for his life. Uh, and the moment he he feared for his life was after she uh, hit him in the head with a shampoo bottle. Uh, until the shampoo bottle broke and he got shampoo in his eyes and it caused a burning sensation. Uh, I see. And, and then she walloped him uh, several times with a closed fist. <laughs> and he was just, he was <laughs> a scared for his life. Um, so, yes, Alex Jones, uh, you know, the 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 pinnacle of uh, the male form of masculinity. Yes. yes. Uh, got beat up by a woman. And that's hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I strongly suspect he is not a big fan of women, so that makes mm-hmm. it much better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you if you're not familiar, Alex Jones uh, has a tendency to like fucking peddle these like vitality pills <laughs> on his shows <laughs> that boost uh, <laughs> just like I don't know testosterone yes. and masculine masculine traits uh yeah and like he's always complaining about shit, how stuff like that yeah he's always complaining about how men are weak nowadays and they're not the you know the big alpha males they used to be except for him yep. uh and then he got beat up by his wife so yeah 
And my favorite, I know you've seen this, but for anyone that has it, there's a great before and after picture that uh, he did for his website for some stupid, whatever, vitality pill or something that he had that mm-hmm. he was that he was selling. And uh, the only difference between the before and after picture is that in the after picture, uh, he's redder. <laughs> yeah, he's like sunburned for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, still got the same B cups. I mean, he's just fucking red. That's the only difference. <laughs> It's hilarious. Yeah, he used to, and he's great too because he did. Like, he used to be ripped, I believe, but uh, yeah, let that go. Yeah, I mean, he's still. He, he's like he's like the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's not like he's like some schlubby obese guy. I mean, he's still he's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. he's he's like stocky. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hey, uh, something real quick. Um, while we're sort of on the topic of politics, um, okay. Uh, Ted Cruz basically, uh, threatened that (laughs) if the GOP, uh, is able to retake the house in the midterms, uh, they're going to impeach Biden, whether it's justified or not. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) Basically just said, Hey, if we win, we're going to get this guy out of here for no reason, just because we don't like him. Yeah, just because, uh, by the way, this is a democracy, but... Um, but fuck you. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, any any illusion that this is a democracy really should be out the window by now. Yeah, yeah. We may still be a democracy on, like, a local election level, maybe. Uh, maybe. But that ship has sailed on a federal level, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I kind of hope they... Uh, they take it all back and then just straight up fucking, you know, <laughs> turn us into an authoritarian nightmare state. Uh, that'd be fucking hilarious, dude. That would be so funny. Are you kidding me, bro? That would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, that'd be pretty lit. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty fucking lit. Just martial law, fucking people being dragged out of their houses. Uh, Jesus in schools. Jesus back in school where he belongs. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> hey, speaking of Jesus in schools, um, here in Oklahoma, a state that has no money to spare, uh, <laughs> thought it would be great to introduce a bill that will pay out $10,000 to parents if a book that they want banned from school libraries is not banned from school libraries. So, how it works is Say you're a good Christian conservative parent and there's a book that has a character who's gay and you don't want your kid to become gay by reading about that. So you're going to uh, issue a complaint, say that this book should be banned because it's indo- it's uh, indoctrinating your children and turning them gay. And if that uh, if the school employee doesn't ban that book in a certain amount of time, you will be awarded ten thousand dollars. And that employee will be fired and they will be placed on a two year sort of probation where they can't work for public schools again. Uh, (laughs) So that's cool. Uh, And, and I would like to, so here's the deal, Robbie. First, I got to find a kid. That's step one. (laughs) Okay. It'll be worth it. I got to find a kid. I obviously not going to have one right now. And this is also like a timely man, like a timely issue. So I got to get a kid quick. Then I got yeah. to uh, become their legal guardian. And then I have to submit a complaint that the school library has the Bible, which I find offensive because X, Y, and Z. I mean, pick something, dude. Like, you know, yeah. everything yeah. that they hate is probably in the Bible, which is hilarious. You know, there's yes. gay stuff in there. There's adultery in there. There's uh, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. There's gay stuff. There's in gay there. stuff in the Bible, dude. The Bible. There's gay stuff in there. There's gay stuff in there. That's my one sentence yeah. review of the Bible. And yeah. uh, so I'm going to complain that the Bible uh, is in schools, uh, and there's no way they're going to ban the Bible, right? Oh, of course not. No. So I'm either I'm going to get ten thousand dollars, or it's going to become this huge, like fucking high profile case. It's like Smith versus uh, public education, basically. Uh, and that'll Smith be awesome. the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Smith, Smith v. the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and that'll be awesome too. 
And then when the GOP uh, takes control, you'll be whisked away. It'll be the prisoner number one in the newly established work camps. I'll be a martyr. I don't fucking care. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. How can I? How can I care? I'll be dead. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) It doesn't bother me. I love that idea of like, oh yeah, I already know that they're gonna fucking wheel me away and shoot me in the head in the street. So what the fuck do I care? Yeah, I mean, it is what yeah. it is. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm dude. I'm trying to find this fucking. Of course, I can't find it. There is this tweet. Uh, oh man, I can't find it. Forget it, dude. I'll come back to it later if I can find it. <laughs> Basically, it was this dude just saying that, like, uh, he's either running for some sort of local, not here, but wherever. He's running for Senate or some sort of local thing. I don't know. But he was just talking about how, like, when he's elected, uh, communists are going to be, like, shot and imprisoned and sent to work camps and all this. And, right. of course, you know. Literally anybody that opposes him is a communist. So yes, basically, basically just like straight up Hitler talk that this yeah. dude is like platforming on and campaigning on. And it's it's hilarious. Great times. Love it. <sighs> yeah. Love it's cool. it here. It is great. Yeah, it's really fun debating uh, if I'm actually legitimately going to have to figure out uh, how to seek asylum in Canada or Mexico. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That that has to cross my mind now. No, that's fine. It'll all work out in the end, Robbie. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, just like fucking just get a gun, dude. Uh, we got so we got two safes full of them, my friend. Yeah, well then you're fine. <laughs> just, need, just need dad to give me the code. Here's what here's what here's what's beautiful about if the GOP were to just straight up like end democracy and start like an authoritarian state overnight, right? They're not the ones that are going to be rounding up people's guns, you know, yeah. like it would be if Democrats did that. They're all pro gun. So you're yes. going to get to keep your gun and then it's going to be fucking easier to revolt and, sh- and shit because you'll have True. all your guns. True. Which is why they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they there's so much fucking infighting going on with that party right now. Anyway, yeah, they, they're not going to be even even if they do manage to take the House and the Senate, they're not going to be able to fucking do anything. No, and I love it. I love it. Um, I, I I assume that you saw that Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, personal account got uh, permanently banned on Twitter. <laughs> I did, and Donald Trump released a statement that uh, Twitter is basically uh, antithetical to democracy. Of course. <laughs> uh, first of all, that would be Facebook. So he's wrong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, her congressional account is still up. Yeah. Well, it yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so what happens when you violate the terms and conditions, man. I mean, it's yeah, just the you, fucking that you agreed to. It's the fucking free market that they love so much until it works against them. Then it's fucking then tyranny. It. Then it's communism yeah, then it's, somehow. Yeah, then it's tyranny. It's communism. And then that's when they like big government. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. they hate big government until they don't. Well, speaking of uh, Greg Abbott, um, who has opposed every fucking COVID thing ever except for COVID itself like he hated he opposed every mandate every suggestion uh from mm-hmm. the CDC or any administration because you know Texas is all about no big government blah 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 um well now that uh the new variant is like fucking running rampant and COVID cases are through the roof uh he's on his knees begging for federal assistance of course of course of course yeah yeah, they're yeah. all they're all against the big government unless it can help them. <laughs> yeah, so unless it directly benefits them right now in this moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a real it's, it's a real shit show. Yeah, well, let's let's move on from that. Um, indeed, indeed. Uh, Robbie, I watched I watched a couple movies recently. I'm not indeed gonna did. not gonna spend a lot of time on all of them. There's just like two that I want to talk about. Cool. Um, Let's see. So first I watched The Green Knight, finally. Very nice. Loved it. It was a wild ride. Uh, the Green Knight, if you're not familiar, is uh, like an Arthurian legend uh, about Sir Garwin. 
who is the nephew of King Arthur. And he has to go on his own quest to sort of uh, make his own legend. And he answers this challenge. So like one Christmas, they're all together for just Christmas celebrations. And this green knight who is made of like, basically like plants and shit comes in and he he challenges uh, anyone to a game. And what they're supposed to do is strike a blow on him. And one year later, they're supposed to go to this specific place and find him and let him return the blow on them. Uh, and Sir Garwin, who is, well, he's actually not a knight at this point, so it's just Garwin. But uh, he wants to prove himself. He has no stories to tell. He's just kind of a loser. <laughs> and so he gets up there and he beheads the Green Knight. So a year later, he's supposed to go find the Green Knight and let the Green Knight behead him. And the movie is just about his journey to find the green knight and make good on his end of the bargain. And, um, it is pretty interesting. Uh, it's like this movie is like a riddle with no wrong answers. Uh, it's like a choose your own adventure. You just sort of take whatever you want from it. You can kind of interpret it. However, you want to, and I, uh, I definitely need to see it again before I get all of it. I mean, I got the gist. There's, there's a lot of like, is this what's really happening? Is this supposed to be taken literally? Is this figuratively happening, right. um, going on? Uh, but two fun, no context spoilers. Uh, yes, the green cum belt stays on during sex, and also if you owe Joel Edgerton a hand job, you better give him a hand job. <laughs> Or else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks to know call going Joel Edgerton for nothing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yes, I look, I look forward to watching it. Yeah. It's like, um, so it's, it's like a weird Christmas fable. Uh, it's not a traditional Christmas movie by any means, but I just want to like, I just want to like watch it in a creaky cabin in front of a fire. Okay. Like around the holidays. It's just like there's something that's like so cozy about it, even though it's like, I mean, it's certainly not a heartwarming movie or anything. It's, right, but it's just right. like there's something about it, the atmosphere of it, where it's just like, I don't know. It just seems like the best possible way to watch it. And also maybe a whole on ass drugs. vibe, as they say. It's a whole ass vibe, dude. It's a whole ass vibe. Um, I also watched uh, No Time to Die, which uh, was pretty good. Uh, certainly not the best. James Bond movie, certainly not the worst. Uh, I'd put it like right in the middle of all the Craig movies uh, okay. in a ranking. Um, it had some great action, some great cinematography, some beautiful shots, some pretty good acting. Uh, and in classic James Bond fashion, like a fucking incomprehensible plot that just makes no sense at all. <laughs> it's just like, what is this relationship? Who the fuck is yeah. this? Why is yeah. this happening? What? You know, just like, okay. Yeah, I think maybe the only non-confusing Bond movie is maybe, what, Dr. No? (laughs) Maybe. Is that the only one? (laughs) Or uh, License to Kill is just like a revenge movie. I mean. That's true. uh, Yeah, and this this one isn't like. Goldfinger's a heist movie, but there's still some weird shit in there. Yeah. I mean, this one isn't as convoluted. It's just like, I mean, it's fairly straightforward. It's just the manner in which it goes about certain things and certain things that mm-hmm. happen. You're just like, wait, what, how does that work? Um, we, you know, you could, you could probably call it, call it a plot hole. Uh, <laughs> there's several of those, <laughs> several gaping holes of course. In, in this plot, but you once, know, it's once fine. again in classic James Bond fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I would these say are not that, movies. These are not movies that you need to like think hard about and you shouldn't because yeah, none of them will ever make sense if you do. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say that, you know, the uh, the sum is greater than its parts for this movie. It's a nice send off for Daniel Craig as James Bond. Uh, and it's also like Casino Royale. It's like a great anti-Bond Bond movie. Okay. It's like both a great James Bond movie and also uh, very much an anti-James Bond movie. It It goes against a lot of the tropes. And one of the things that most people were worried about in the trailers. It's revealed that uh, the new 007 since James Bond is retired is a black woman. Oh no. That's the woke (laughs) liberal Hollywood agenda. 
Uh, but she's great. Yeah, she's really cool. Yeah, sure. She yeah. looks fine in all of the uh, trailers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. My my biggest issue with the movie actually is that uh, Ana de uh, Armas isn't in it near enough. She's in it for like ten minutes, yes, and then we never see her character again. And she's the best part of the movie. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, good times. I also don't buy that uh, Rami Malek is like a generation older than Leia Sado's character. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, like her her dad, Mr. White, killed his parents. So like Rami Malek is the Bond yeah. villain. And yeah, yeah. Madeline Swan's dad, Mr. White, killed his parents when he was a boy. Uh, and he survived. He was left hor- horrifically disfigured by a poison. Right. So as an adult, he goes to kill Madeline's family to get revenge, but he leaves her alive. And then when she's like a 35-year-old woman in a relationship with James Bond, he like goes back to finish the job or whatever. And it's just sure. like 39-year-old Rami Malek. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? It makes no sense, dude. Like he should be yes, yeah. the same age as James Bond, and he is not at all. So I don't know. But uh yeah, it's that's an odd choice. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, Another he, one of those weird things where it's like it's never been a trope in James Bond movies before for this many characters to be directly connected to each other. Like so yeah. many of them, it's just like there'll be some recurring characters here and there that like outside of the main cast or whatever. But like otherwise, like villains, with the exception of like Blofeld in the old movies, rarely come back. Yeah, I mean, it's annoying. Uh, that they did that with the Craig movies that they're all supposed to be so connected and just like, I'm, this... like I'm fine with like a loose connection or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, the, it's never mattered that, that like James Bond changes every like 10 years. Like who cares? Nobody cares. We all understand what yeah. we're saying here. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear yeah, that. It's so... good because yeah, no, it's Spectre good. I mean, it I... sucks my ass. So yeah, I fucking hate Spectre. Uh, I enjoyed this one. So really, the only the only Craig movie I, I hate is Spectre, and the rest range from uh, pretty good to like fucking amazing. So you know, not bad at all. Certainly the best uh, run in a in the James Bond series, I would say. Indeed. Uh, and then I watched um, I watched a movie from 1970 last night, Robbie, called Joe, okay. starring Peter Boyle and some other guy and Susan Sarandon. And this is one of the movies I really want to talk about because uh, okay. uh, this movie is fucking crazy, dude. So Peter Boyle plays Joe, the main character. And uh, he's not in the first like half hour of this hour and a half long movie. Uh, nice, the movie nice. opens. Susan Sarandon is like a college age teenager. And uh, she's living with her boyfriend, who is this dirtbag artist, hippie guy. And he's gotten her into drugs. And he is like a two-bit drug dealer to pay for just more drugs and art supplies. And after he causes her to OD, her dad, who is this like uh, white-collar advertising executive or some shit, I don't know, just like some conservative rich white dude, uh, he goes to the apartment to get her shit and move her out of there. And the boyfriend comes home, they get into a fight, and he accidentally kills the boyfriend. So he's all distraught and he wanders into this bar and that's where we finally meet Joe who is in the middle of a very racist uh, tirade, (laughs) just hitting all of the marks that you would hear on Fox news today. Okay. uh, Complaining about white people becoming the the minority complaining about how he feels disenfranchised uh, as a white male uh, becoming the minority complaining about um, uh, how, in his words, like basically he has to work his ass off and black people just reproduce and live off welfare, welfare. And, you know, the right, right. the welfare queen that doesn't exist, that's been a right wing boogeyman talking point for fucking 50 years, apparently just going on and on, hitting all the fucking greatest hits. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he eventually comes around to <clears throat> talking about hippies and how he wants to fucking kill all these hippies. And that's when... Uh, Susan Sarandon's dad, I think his name's Bill. He's like, I just killed one. (laughs) And uh, Joe is like super stoked about that. Wants to buy him a drink. He's still very upset that he accidentally killed a man. So he leaves. And then later, Joe sees a news story about the dead hippie, realizes he was telling the truth, seeks him out, 
and they become best friends through their shared bigotry and Jesus their Christ. love of uh, conser- like conservative values, basically. Uh, and a lot of stuff happens. And then the film climaxes with uh, Joe, who has a shitload of guns, of course, arming up himself and Bill. And they go to this hippie commune to shoot it up. And Bill inadvertently kills his daughter, who was there, and is just like, well, it happens. And then the movie ends. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and what's crazy is like, yeah, there, there's a lot of like MAGA slash QAnon shit in this movie from fucking 50 years ago. And, you know, you could look at it like, oh, it's really prophetic and shit. But the sad reality is just that nothing has actually changed in 50 years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the movie is about just how like Joe radicalizes this dude who is kind of susceptible to being radicalized and he's very easy to have his opinions uh, sort of informed for him mm-hmm. and pushed into doing things. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just really, really resonates today. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah, it's just a fucking, it ever was, i guess just a fucking like uh proud boys wet dream at the end dude they're just like they're just like hey what if we just kill all those people we hate yeah we could totally get away with that and Let's then they just it. fucking do it and what's crazy is um so this movie predated like taxi driver and all the like exploitation revenge films and mm-hmm. grindhouse films of the 70s um so after it came out it was a huge hit and Peter Boyle was horrified because people were like, oh, dude, you're so awesome in that movie. Like, oh, God. it's really cool. That's an awesome movie. Like, it's super dope how, like, your character is. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So he vowed to never use guns in a movie again or play a violent character uh, to the point where he was offered the role of Popeye Doyle in The French Connection and turned it down. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Also... Wow. Um, I guess uh, his character <laughs> inspired Archie Bunker. Uh, so maybe, <laughs> so maybe there isn't a point to Archie Bunker beyond uh, like, like maybe him being a racist isn't the point. Like you're supposed to be upset with that. Maybe they just like thought it would be funny. Like yeah, maybe they Jesus were just like Christ. maybe they were just like oh we don't see guys like this on television anymore and they were like oh that Joe guy was cool let's make a they don't make him like, like they used to they don't make him like they used to. yeah yeah so the the point of the movie was lost on the audience it's supposed to be a satire uh, uh, from during like the early uh, years of the Nixon administration right and right. Uh, supposed to be a satire about bigotry and everything and people were just like yeah that's really cool. We should do that. We should just like kill people that we don't agree with. And they're still doing that today. So yeah, cool. Sweet. Good times. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Very upsetting. Uh, and then I, and then I watched uh, another movie that fucking ruled, uh, which was Candyman. <laughs> Indeed. And I watched that movie too. Yes, you did. I, I also watched that movie as well. Uh, before we jump into it though, I just, uh, there's a news thing here that popped up. Uh, I guess the CDC has found that if you're not sick, but you're not well and it's so hot, you're in hell. So thank you, <laughs> CDC, for spreading the uh, news. Oh, Jesus Appreciate Christ. it. So, Candyman. That was fucking lame, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's the CDC. I don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah, you. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just, I'm just uh, spreading information. Like you're spreading Omicron. Robbie, tell us about Candyman. Candyman uh, is a wonderful movie. It was uh, co-written by one uh, Jordan Peely mm-hmm. um, and somebody else. I think well, there were two other writers, the, oh, including yeah. the, woman, the woman who directed it, I think. Yeah, Nia uh, DaCosta. Yeah, Nia DaCosta. Is, uh, I believe, was this her directorial debut? I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm not sure. In any case, uh, it's fucking awesome. It's a, a horror movie. It's a direct sequel to the 1992 movie of the same name. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, expands a little bit on the uh, in a very wonderful way. I think this movie is a really great example of how to do a sequel that like expands on the work of the original one. Kind of like expands the lore or whatever you want to call it in a yes. way that like honors the original and also makes it more interesting. Yes. 
I, you've probably seen the original more recently than I have. So I don't know if you want to like explain maybe a little bit of the original since it does inform this one. Although I will say you don't have to have seen the original movie to understand what's going on in this one. They tell you, they tell you what happens uh, in the original sort of, they give you the information that you need basically. Yeah. They give you like the, uh, the campfire version of, of the original yes. film. Um, but you should see the original because as good as it's this movie awesome. is, uh, it's still not nearly as good as the original, which is a fucking incredible movie. It's one of my favorite yes. movies. An- another another movie that's what, 30 years old and uh, is also str- uh, very relevant. Yes. Yeah, today. Yeah. So the just the gist of the original Candyman uh, and then the gist of this one. So the original Candyman is about a student named Helen Lyle who is doing a report on urban legends, basically. And she comes upon the story of Candyman, who is an urban legend in the projects of Cabrini Green. And she becomes obsessed with uh, learning about Candyman. Uh, She, of course, doesn't believe that the legend is true. So she does the thing that summons him. She says his name five times in a mirror, which uh, makes him appear. And he starts killing people around her uh, in a way that sort of frames her as the killer. And she is also... uh, Basically, the reincarnation of his lover, Candyman's origin, is that he was a freed slave who was a painter who was sort of respected a little bit by white people. He's treated a little bit better than other people of color. They loved his work. Yes, they were a fan of his art, but not his race. (laughs) And uh, he was commissioned by a wealthy, I think, plantation owner or some shit to paint his daughter. Uh, The two fell in love. And when the guy found out that his wife was or his sorry, his daughter was having an affair with a, a black man, uh, the people of the town chased him to the center of the town and they sawed off his hand and they covered him in honey and let bees sting him to death. And so he's a vengeful killer. And his story is really sympathetic. And the movie itself is just like a really tragic, sad, beautiful, romantic story. It's like really great gothic yes. horror. Uh, and in the new version of Candyman... Um, also, the the original mo- the original movie ends with Helen sort of taking his place through like a series of events. She is killed uh, and sort of becomes the new legend of Candyman, which is sort of a a theme that happens in these in these movies. Like someone takes up the mantle of Candyman. So in the new movie, uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen is uh, this character Anthony, who is a starving artist, kind of painter. Uh, he just moved in with his girlfriend in the, uh, once Cabrini green. Now it's like a gentrified area. That's really hip. (laughs) And a lot of artists and wealthy millennials live there. And, uh, he's just moved in with his girlfriend who, uh, I think, does she run the art? Um, I believe she's the like curator for the gallery. Yeah. Okay. It's not her gallery specifically, but she puts on the events. She's the curator. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so she's a curator for an art gallery, and uh, he decides to do uh, a piece on the projects before it was uh, gentrified, and he comes into uh, learning about Candyman himself. And what's interesting about this movie, and of course the movie ends with him becoming Candyman, um, after he descends into madness, and a lot of crazy shit happens. Uh, But what's interesting about this movie is that at first, when you first learn about Candyman, it's not the original Candyman. It's a guy who had a hook for yeah. a hand who gave candy to children in the ghetto. And uh, after some razor blades turned up in candy, he was basically blamed for it wrongly. And yeah. he was killed by police. And he became... Brutally. What's that? Uh, brutally. They specify that it, that they beat him so badly he was unrecognizable after they were done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They beat him to death, yeah. Uh, and then he sort of becomes a new Candyman of that generation. And so that's the Candyman that uh, Anthony learns about. Um, and so it basically turns out that like every generation has its own Candyman, which is typically, with the exception of Helen, uh, typically a black person who died through trauma and usually like a racist act. And so what's interesting is the first Candyman you could tell <laughs> it's so crazy, like watching them now uh, or not watching them now, but like watching them together now that the new one exists. It's so evident that the original 
was made by white people <laughs> because mm, it's sure. like I wouldn't say Helen's like a white savior character, but she is a white character who's like empathetic towards racial injustices and is like an ally to people of color. And also like just the way the story goes about right, there is right. this there is this sort of like a white guilt thing going on in the background. And the new movie is easily recognizable as being told by people of color because it's more oh, yeah, about absolutely. the violence that happens against them as opposed to like making reparations for the violence that happens against them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting Candy, yeah. dichotomy. Yeah. Candyman in this, in the, this sequel seems to be maybe like a representation of generational trauma. Yeah. And how it, <clears throat> how that gets passed down and how it affects each subsequent generation as these things, these awful things keep happening and they mm -hmm. compound on one another. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly, at the end of the movie, it seems to be oddly like an empowering message where it's sort of uh, encouraging you to like find a way to turn the trauma into strength. Essentially, I don't know how to describe it, but the end yeah. of the movie, definitely Candyman is like an anti-hero, <laughs> but like the very, very, very end. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about the original is like, yeah, he kills innocent people, but he has this whole monologue about how he has to shed innocent blood to keep his uh memory alive and also like his yeah his spirit alive because he's he's one of those villains like freddy krueger where he like feeds on people's fear of him and yeah people don't know about him yeah you have to know about him for him to exist so like if people don't stop if people stop talking about him he ceases to exist like if he fades out of like this urban uh zeitgeist then he he doesn't exist anymore uh so he was sort of like manifested because people told legends of his story of yeah. like his trauma and everything. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the new one just sort of compounds that and, and explores that deeper. And it's really interesting. And it's not as, it has a totally different tone. Like this movie, I was never like scared during or uneasy watching like the original Candyman, no. I, there was, I wouldn't, there were like occasional elements of body horror that I was surprised by that I wasn't expecting to see. Yes, and he's like pulling off his fingernail and stuff like that. Well, just his whole transformation when his yeah, flesh is rotting horrific. away, it's disgusting. Yeah, he gets stung by a bee, and is throughout the movie his uh, flesh on it stings him on his hand, and it like starts growing up his like entire arm, like all the way and up he's to like yeah, literally rotting all the way up to his face. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. But but like the original Candyman, uh, when I watch it, it's just like it's it's a sad tale, you know, and there is like this sadness you feel watching it and a little uneasy feeling. And it is like, right. it does have great jump scares and it does have great suspense in it as well. But the character of Candyman isn't scary. Like a typical slasher. He's more sympathetic and he's more tragic and he's a little easier to root for. I mean, like I said, he kills innocent people. So you're not like, fuck yeah, Candyman. And he doesn't kill yeah, people yeah. like Jason or, or Michael Myers, where he kills people that are annoying and deserve it. I mean, these are innocent people. Yes. Um, you're never rooting for him to kill anyone. Uh, and in fact, when Candyman shows up, you just kind of want to like hug him and be like, dude, I'm sorry this happened to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the, in the new one, yeah, it's like taking that, that sadness and trauma and turning it into empowerment somehow. It's really hard to describe. Uh, yeah, but it's, but they pull it off, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked. In this one, you are rooting for Candyman at the end. You know. Yeah, they do um, a good job at kind of building up to that in terms of who who gets killed and why. Yeah, exactly. And that that was the biggest difference is in this movie, everyone that gets killed does deserve it, which is interesting. It's an interesting Indeed. way to take it. Um, yeah. It's what, yeah, what's been, what was most interesting, yeah, is, is also like the reasons why they deserved it. Like a lot of it seemed to be centered around people who, like, I, like, I think the idea is, is it's people who are very like flippant of initially the artwork that Anthony mm -hmm. is making and are saying that, you know, it's not bold enough and it's not saying anything new. All of this coming specifically from uh, white people as well. Yeah. Um, talking about how it's just not anything special or whatever. And it's just, you know, rehashing old ideas and it's, oh, well, we've seen this before. We've seen this before. A lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it starts off with like the uh, owner of the art gallery 
uh, and uh, an intern that he's trying to that he's about to have sex with. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it is the art critic that he sees, right? That he sees at the gallery who like talks shit directly to his face. Yeah, she is a horrible bitch. <laughs> yeah, she is a horrible bitch. She hates his work until these people start dying, and then suddenly she likes it and thinks it's interesting. It's a, a fantastic turn. Yeah. Uh, and her death was pretty great, too. Like, the way that they shot it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's a group of, like, what, four white girls at uh, in, that are in the bathroom stall at uh, – at their high school and like yeah they, even make fun of like this black girl as well and like the the asian character leaves yeah <laughs> like halfway yeah. through it's only the white girls get fucking brutally murdered in the bathroom yeah you know what's so funny about that is um dude i remember one time in in school the power went out and uh <clears throat> uh they were taking they would take us in groups to like use the restroom and i yeah. remember uh a bunch of us in the restroom did the Candyman thing. And so it was just Ooh. weird to see it in a movie where they're like these dumb, these dumb kids do it, but you know, Candyman actually does appear and kills all of them. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but yeah, it's like, um, yeah, they all deserve it. Maybe not them as much. Cause they're just, they're kids and they might not, they don't know any better, you know, like they're, yeah, yeah. they're, um, I mean, they're not racist really. They're just like insensitive. Uh, yeah. And that yeah. comes from, their environment and upbringing and stuff. So they don't deserve it as much as everyone else. But yeah, the critic might've been even worse than the art gallery dude. She was, yeah, the the art gallery dude was just kind of generally an asshole. She was like actively a piece of shit. Yeah, she was terrible. Uh, And then, and then at the end, a, uh, a a dickhead cop who is trying to abuse his power. Well, yeah, a whole group, but specifically the one guy who was threatening Anthony's girlfriend. Uh, trying to get her to say whatever he wanted her to say to testify against him. Yes. Um, because, yeah, after after Anthony is sort of forced to become Candyman, uh, he is killed by the police um, while he's already on the ground. Uh, yes. and then well, his... Really, I think him getting killed by the police, I think, is the final thing that makes him Candyman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the interesting things about the movie is that. So in the original film. When Helen dies, it's because Candyman has taken this woman's baby and he has put him like in this. They're going to have this giant bonfire. The community is. And he's put the baby in the center of like this pyre uh, in this little enclosed space. And Helen goes to rescue the baby and she's burned alive, but she saves the baby. It's revealed in this movie that Anthony was that baby. And also it's it's kind of hinted at that he's the reincarnation of Candyman um, in a way, because he is an artist and he has similar experiences to the original Candyman as well as looks a little bit more like him than other people who have become Candyman. Like yeah. he, he bears a, a resemblance to him. And so I think, I think he's supposed to be some sort of, I don't know, reincarnation or generational relative or some, something. I don't know. He yeah, has there, some relationship to him. Yeah. There's a connection beyond, uh, him just becoming the new one um but yeah it 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 was a great movie uh loved it was very surprised at how how much i loved it um it's also visually a delight yes this is a very pretty movie yeah it looks really cool um performances are great yeah great act i mean yaya abdul mateen is a is a great actor yes i liked his chemistry with his girlfriend a lot i thought they were really great yeah together Mm mm-hmm and his descent into madness was uh, wonderful to watch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was cool. That's the biggest difference is like, even though in the original Helen sort of takes the mantle of Candyman at the end, it's not a gradual change like it is in this movie. It's just that the way she dies, her spirit is like, because she's the new uh, folktale, she is basically like brought back as a spirit. Uh, yeah. In this movie, it's a body horror thing where he's slowly descending into madness, but also his body is decaying and he's literally becoming the new Candyman. And it's yes. really, it's a really cool take on it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad it's good because I was really excited for it at first. And then the more Jordan Peele talked about it, the cringier it sounded. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, then, and then when, um, 
a trailer came out that sort of had like a new origin for Candyman. Um, before I realized what they were doing with the story, I was I was worried. I was like, oh god, they changed Candyman to fit the times or whatever. Um, yeah. When the original Candyman story was just as relevant today, uh, and the fact that they do what they do, where it's like both both things have happened, and it shows yeah. that this happens every generation, no matter what, that they're actually yeah, cycle. the cycle of trauma that's happening to this community. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. One of yes. the, one of the best uh, studio horror films I've seen in a very long time. Yes. Yes. It very much feels like an indie, an indie movie for sure. Yeah. And it also, when I was watching it a lot of the time with, with the, the exception of a lot of the body horror stuff, a lot of the time it felt like more of a, an old school, horror movie like a like a the shining type horror mm. movie more so in terms of it being very even though it's only 90 minutes it's not a slow burn or a slow movie but it is very deliberate in its pacing and the way that it gives you information and like the order that everything's happened yeah everything happens in rather yeah um it did in in some cases feel like uh, a type of horror movie that doesn't really get made now yeah for sure yeah it did it did have this like classy feel to it it wasn't schlocky at all. I mean, the, no, not at all. It's it's very serious. It's it's weird. I would say it's serious, but it's also not like there's satirical elements to it, and there is humor in it. But it yes. it took the concept seriously. I mean, it's a serious concept. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was it was fantastic. I I loved it. Can't wait to watch it again. Uh, ne- next time I'm going to do a double feature for sure. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want would want would want to watch the original again. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if, if I have time, maybe I'll throw in the. I think it's Candyman three where he goes to New Orleans. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> Candyman right. in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Also, by the way, there are four of these movies for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> it's a well, franchise. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there was the the sequels were direct to video. You got Candyman two, Farewell to the Flesh, and then Candyman three. I think it's called Day of the Dead or something. But it's basically just like Candyman goes to New Orleans for some reason. <laughs> Because you know, I don't know, black people the Bayou. I don't Why not? Know. Yeah, um, magic ghosts. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, why? Why would they summon him in New Orleans? Who's to say? I like that he. I like that he's sort of a spirit that just like lingers around this one community. Yeah. It's really directly cool. connected to this one place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even the story itself does have this old timey feel. You know, where it's like, yeah, for sure. Well, it very much nails the the feeling of like the random folk tales and like ghost mm-hmm. stories or whatever that you hear about like a neighborhood or whatever growing up. Like it made me think of I think I've talked about it on the podcast before this area that we have in Omaha called Hummel Park mm-hmm. that has all of these. Yeah, similar deal. It's just a bunch of legends. Like there's one about this like cult of albino people that live in the woods <laughs> there and like just yeah. <laughs> random shit like that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it very much had that feel for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Candyman is the ultimate like urban legend. Yeah. For sure. Sorry, Bloody Mary. <laughs> Candyman's cooler. Candyman is cooler. Candyman's cooler. Candyman fucks, dude. Candyman Got that does boom, fuck. That booming voice and legs for days. <laughs> and his rib cage is showing. <laughs> and his rib cage is filled with bees. And his yeah, what's not to love? Sweet as honey. Um <laughs> Yeah, dude, I have uh, I have this book called The Real Stuff, which is a horrible title, but it's yes. a compilation of uh, short stories that horror movies are based off of, like um, okay. like uh, Herbert West reanimators in there. There's some Philip K. Dick stuff like uh, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which is the story Total Recall is based off of. Mm-hmm. And it's got The Forbidden by Clive Barker, which is what Candyman comes from. But I haven't yes. read it yet, but I read, it's on my list. I need to get into Clive Barker stuff, man, because dude, uh, the dude writes some good stuff. Yeah, so it would seem. Yeah. Hellraiser and Candyman, two of my favorites. Uh, he also has this, I think I briefly mentioned it. He has a story called The Body Politic. Did I talk about that? Uh, maybe I'm gonna. I think we should pause though, because my bladder is gonna fucking explode. Okay. <laughs> and I really need. I need. I need the relief. <laughs> oh God. I need fast relief now. Start bringing a fucking bedpan with you when you do this shit. Okay, so uh, where were we? <laughs> uh, the, the gist of it is that uh, everybody's hands decide to rebel and revolt against the rest of the body. So pe- people's hands just start severing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> 
the hands are unionizing and and revolting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. Nice. That's tell, pretty lit. Can't tell if all what? those uh, emergency vehicles are on my end or your end of. Uh, the they're things. not on my end. Okay. Cool. I can't hear them though. For <clears throat> what that's worth. Okay. Maybe there that aren't. Maybe anything. I'm going insane. Maybe. Maybe you're becoming a uh, Candyman. I'm. I'm. I think I'm one Candyman away from saying it five times. Oh, nice, Candyman. Does that work in perpetuity? Do you think, like, if you say it four times and then stop, and then you do, you say it like a one time five years later? Do you think that that it, that works? That should be a that should be a like a short film, like a fan <laughs> film. Somebody somebody accidentally says it five times over the course of like two years. <laughs> Talking about something totally unrelated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're doing like a fucking off-Broadway production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And they have to sing <laughs> the Candyman song over and over again. And then the real Indeed. the real Candyman shows up. And, and he's doing his, the entire chorus. The whole production. <laughs> that would be awesome, actually, dude. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. It's yeah. a crossover we never knew we needed. Just a bunch of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and fucking Candyman. Bunch I'm, in, of people, I'm into it. A bunch of theater kids in Oompa Loompa paint just getting massacred by Candyman. It would be fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. I think we're onto something here. Oh, I think so. <laughs> uh, Yeah, that would be hilarious, dude. Or it's just like a short film about some dude who's just like trying not to say it one more time. He's like, shit, I've said it four times already. And then for some some reason, it keeps coming up in conversation. He keeps trying to like consciously not say it, which of course would make you say it. Yeah. Well, you have to say it into a mirror, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd also be great if just somehow over the course of like 10 years, he just by chance says Candyman while looking into a reflective object five times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wouldn't like a, a selfie camera on your phone, would that work? That's a good question. They didn't. They thankfully that was nothing like that came up in the movie. <laughs> yeah, thankfully that could have got. Yeah, it could have got. It could. It could have gotten real dumb. Yeah, I, dude, I actually fucking loved. Uh, just to go back to the movie real quick. <clears throat> no, of course, his his art project that he uh, shows off at the at the gallery. Uh, yeah. So what he does is he has the, like a a medicine cabinet mirror. And it just looks like a regular mirror. And he invites the the viewer to say Candyman five times into the mirror uh, as a way to put themselves into the art. Right. And then when you open the mirror, it's like a room inside that has all of his paintings in it. It was so fucking cool. Yeah, and it's a cool idea. I, I honestly, though, was surprised that somebody didn't do it at the art showing and there wasn't a giant massacre. But I love that they didn't do that because that's the obvious thing. And it's not that kind yes. of movie. It's not a slasher for the sake of slashing. Like you don't want to see Candyman just show up and kill a shitload of random people yeah. because that's not the point of this movie. And so the fact that they had that the perfect setup for like a bloodbath and they had the restraint not to do it is just like, wow, they were actually really going for something after all. It's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like they actually had something that they wanted to say. Yeah. How about that? Brilliant. Wow. If only they made more movies like that. And it was like a fucking reboot cool, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, like I said, one of those, one of those rare movies that endeavors to like expand on the original and does it really well. Yeah, absolutely. They're not like, you know, they're not trying to be like, and this is the origin of the meat hook. That's what, that's what we're going to spend all our <laughs> oh time God, on. Dude. And then here's the fucking oh, origin. Oh. And then this is where the bees came from. Yeah, this and is where, here's he... where the fucking. Yeah. 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 What if the movie just opened with like how he got his jacket? It's like, <laughs> it's like Candyman, like buying a coat with all these shillings that he yeah, spent yeah. months he... selling art to save up for. <laughs> and then <laughs> just like, you know, it's a fucking backstory about the coat. Yeah. Yeah. It opens with the most like on the nose racist old white guy. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It could have it could have been a fucking disaster. Thankfully it wasn't. Thankfully it wasn't no Matrix resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which apparently we so. just didn't understand, Robbie. They were going for something and we didn't get it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, geez. 
Yeah. What if? Uh, yeah. What if like the ghost of Helen showed up at the end to just like I don't know, <laughs> fucking do some white savior shit? Yeah. See, yeah, this is what would happen if white people remade Candyman. Like all of all of the stupid shit we're talking about would have happened. Yeah. Like what would have happened is Anthony would have turned into the Candyman mm-hmm. fully. And then uh, his girlfriend would be running away from him out of that church. And then she would have to, she wouldn't be able to get, get out. So she'd have to like confront him and stop him. And then the ghost of Helen would appear and be <laughs> and like help her <laughs> defeat him uh, with love through love with love. Yeah. With, with the power of love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. And then the movie would have actually been something about like female empowerment or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Up next, Trans Candyman. Oof. Trans Demon. <laughs> trans Demon. <laughs> oh god. We're already getting that with Hellraiser, Robbie. That's true, yes. Yeah. Which I'm very much looking forward to. Yep, can't wait to have my third sexual awakening. <laughs> a, new, a new boner. <laughs> we have the first new boner I've had in ages. Such sights to show you indeed. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Finally, <laughs> a hot pinhead lady with a, with a big dick. That's what we've all been missing out on. Finally, one for the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I uh I hope that some like fucking I don't know. I hope that someone who would be like repulsed by that idea uh does a reaction video on YouTube to them just having oh, a dude, fucking meltdown all, watching Dude, all of the reactions are gonna be weirdly horny. <laughs> yeah. And I can't fucking wait. <laughs> I hope that it's actually good as well. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, who who knows? Uh, I can't remember if it's the Hellraiser movie or the Hellraiser series that's coming out, but one of them is by David Gordon Green, and I that's going to be fucking terrible. He's a guy that's doing all those. He's done all those new Halloween movies, and I fucking hate yeah. him. Yeah. Won't be good. No, not at all. Um, Jesus Christ, dude. Hmm. Oh no, I'm out of orange soda. Oh no. Whatever will I do? We'll have to stop the episode. I'm going to kill myself. Oh, sorry guys. Well, we have to cut it short. We have an orange soda emergency here. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, but real quick, uh, before we go, just wanted to just, this uh, got a notification here. The CDC is now advising that uh, you can stick the toothbrush just a little bit farther back to practice deep throating if you're a hoe. Thank you, uh, CDC. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you, Robbie, for joining me. Of course. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more, you can tune in same time next week. Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with dew. for it in chocolate and a miracle or two. The Candyman. The Candyman can. He mixes it with love and makes the world taste good Who can take a rainbow Wrap it in a sigh Soak it in the sun and make a strawberry lemon pie The Candyman The Candyman You are not content with
the stories, so I was obliged to come. Be my victim. Be my victim. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me.